You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. E-S-N-Y. <laughs> What up? Welcome back. Episode 20 of the Wide Right Podcast. Season 2, episode 2, I should say, of the Wide Right Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Ryan Honey of Elite Sports New York and Elite Sports Radio Network. Uh, been a couple weeks since we last spoke. Hope everyone's doing well. Um, you know, still some sad, weird, scary times in our world right now. Uh, hopefully, I'm hoping everyone is staying inside, uh, staying safe. Socially distancing themselves, socially isolating themselves. Um, this sort of this stopping the spread of this disease is up to us. So, hope everyone's following through on that and just overall just staying safe and um, staying out of harm's way. Uh, as far as Giants football is concerned, uh, this episode I want to talk about some of the free agent acquisitions the Giants have made over the last few weeks. Uh, a lot of names, a lot of um, you know additions to the roster that will benefit this team uh, in a number of ways, in unique ways, I should say. Uh, I'm not going to go through all of them. Definitely, you know, the bigger names uh, as far as you know, James Bradbury, Blake Martinez, um, you know, Colt McCoy. Despite that he's a backup, I think it's one of the more important acquisitions. I'll get to that soon, um, and then sort of segue into some draft talk. Um, I'll have a bigger um, pot. I'll have, I'll get more into the draft as the draft creeps up closer. Uh, for right now, it's April 23rd. Doesn't seem like they're going to postpone that date. Um, there's arguments that they should. There's arguments that they shouldn't. But for right now, Roger Goodell and the league um, has the NFL draft starting on April 23rd and going to April 25th, as was originally scheduled. But I'll talk more about the draft as as that creep as those dates creep closer but I want to start with so as far as the bigger names are concerned I I love the James Bradbury signing I really do people think that the Giants should have maybe have pushed more towards getting Byron Jones I think when you look at it as a price tag versus performance standpoint when you you know match up price tag versus performance I just think Bradbury was a better deal overall than Byron Jones was I mean Bradbury was three years 45 million 32 million guaranteed uh, Byron Jones was what five years 82 and a half million 57 guaranteed you know this team has won 12 games in three years they had to and they need to continue to do this they need to spend their money wisely you can't push when you've won 12 games in three years like the Giants have you can't push all your chips to one side of the table. They can't put all their money 
towards Byron Jones. Bradbury was a cheaper option. He's still a very much a good option, nonetheless. Dave Gettleman, obviously familiar with him. He drafted him while he was in Carolina in 2016 in the uh, second round. Uh, and he's a veteran presence in the cornerback room. The Giants needed a veteran in the cornerback room. I mean, DeAndre Baker is what? 22, I believe. Corey Ballantine, Sam Beal, 23. Grant Haley is 24 years old. Julian Love, I believe, just turned 22. You know, James Bradbury at 26 is that veteran presence that this cornerback room needed to succeed. And he's going to be a better role model than Janoris Jenkins, who had numerous, who was part of numerous upon numerous, you know, controversies. The reason he was released last year, or waived rather, was because of a controversy on Twitter. So I just, I feel like when you talk about price tag, versus performance. Bradbury was a better deal. Um, I think he's going to bring great things to this team, both on and off the field. Um, I think he's going to help motivate and and mentor this young cornerback group. And yeah, I definitely think they should, they, they needed to go with a veteran cornerback, not draft a cornerback. They definitely needed to add a cornerback to the roster this off season. Um, And I believe veteran and free agency was the way to do it. You couldn't go, if Jeff Okuda is available at number four, I didn't think they should have gone with him. I think they needed an older guy. I didn't think they. I didn't want them to get another twenty-two-year-old and twenty-three-year-old as such a very important position in today's NFL. It's a passing league, so it's they definitely needed to go with a veteran and enter Bradbury. All right, moving on. So I like. So I like that signing. I also like the Blake Martinez signing. I know some people sort of disagree with that. I mean, he did 144, 144, and 155 combined tackles from 2017 to 19. Um, 2017, that total was that total co-led the league. He was sort of the cleanup crew in Green Bay. So he was with Green Bay the last four years. He was sort of the cleanup crew. And when you talk about it, he was lined up with, you know, alongside the Darius Smith and Preston Smith. He, he, and he even said he didn't really have any gap assignments in Green Bay. His, his goal, his job was basically to have the two Smith, Zadarius and Preston look good up front, and then he'd be the cleanup guru in the back. Um, I don't expect the Giants to do that, have that, give him that same role in East Rutherford. I think they'll rely more on him, considering they gave him $30 million over three years. Um, But I understand why some people may not like the acquisition, because, again, he would sound like he was making plays behind the line, behind the line of scrimmage every play. He was the cleanup crew. But with that said, his missed tackle percentage is low, considering. I mean, in 2018... 144 combined tackles, 7.7% missed tackle percentage. 2019, 155 combined tackles, 10.4 missed tackle percentage. He'll definitely start. And I think he would be a great compliment to Isaiah Simmons if they were to, if the Giants were to draft Isaiah Simmons. 
Everyone's saying, oh, they've drafted, they've signed too many linebackers in free agency. They're not going to draft Simmons. They're not going to get another linebacker. I think that's not necessarily true. I think that the the linebackers they've signed are more run stoppers. Blake Martinez is more of a run stopper. Kyler Fackrell is more of a pass rusher slash just a regular outside linebacker. He's not sort of in coverage much. We'll get to him in a little bit. But I think he would be a great – Blake Martinez would be a great compliment to Isaiah Simmons. I think Mar- Martinez can line up more, you know, up in the box and be a run stopper while Simmons succeeds in the open space. Simmons is obviously very versatile and athletic. It can be used in, you know, the secondary and more of a safety type role. He can be used as maybe a slot corner slash, you know, an inside linebacker or outside. He, he can play wherever. Simmons is very talented. We know this. So I don't think the signing, the acquisitions of multiple linebackers in free agency is going to affect the Giants potentially drafting Isaiah Simmons. Um, I think it actually works well. I think they all complement Simmons in their own unique ways. Um, but yeah, I like the Martinez signing. It's not like overly expensive. Um, it's, at least in my opinion, I don't think it's overly, it's absurdly expensive. You know, definitely more expensive. There, there are definitely more expensive linebackers in this league. And he gives you production. As I, I, I named his stats twice in the last couple of minutes. He gives you production. He gives you consistency. Um, and I think it will work well for Patrick Graham's defense. Plus, he was with Patrick Graham, Giants defensive coordinator. He was with him in Green Bay in 2018. Patrick Graham was his linebackers coach. So there's familiarity there. Uh, familiarity is always beneficial. So I think that'll it'll turn out to be a, a good acquisition for the Giants. All right, Kyler Fackrell's the other linebacker that came over from Green Bay. He was also drafted in the same year as Blake Martinez in 2016. Spent first four years in Green Bay. He is more of an outside linebacker, while Martinez is more of an inside linebacker. But as an outside linebacker and as a pass rusher specifically, Fackrell is inconsistent which is why his value went down this past year. Uh, only signed a one-year $4.6 million deal. Um, he had 10 and a half sacks in 2018. That's great. Marcus Golden had 10, and Giant fans look at him like he's the next coming of Lawrence Taylor, probably because it's the first pass rusher the Giants have had in you know years, since Jason Pierre-Paul, prior to the whole fireworks incident. But... As I was saying, Kyler Fackrell, so Marcus Golden has 10 sacks last year. Everyone thinks so highly of him. Kyler Fackrell had more two years ago. But he only had one in 2019. So there's that inconsistency factor. There's that factor of not being able to produce on a high level, uh, not even from week to week, but from year to year, it seems. And... uh, He'll be more of a reserve outside linebacker that'll be used more in blitz packages. I can't see him starting at all, even if Marcus Golden isn't around. If Marcus Golden is back on the team, which contract negotiations are ongoing right now, but if Marcus Golden is back on the team, Fackrell will certainly not start. But even if he isn't, if Golden isn't around, if Golden signs somewhere else, then I I still can't see Fackrell starting. He'll be more of a reserve guy used in blitz packages, um, you know, that's just, that's just how it's going to go. I, he's not, again, he's another guy that's familiar with 
Patrick Graham, but there are better options at the outside linebacker position on this roster alone. You know, Lorenzo Carter is probably going to start. I, I don't see why he wouldn't. You know, O'Shane Zimenez is already familiar with the organization after one year of being with them. So I, I just, Fackrell will be a reserve. He'll play, but he'll be a reserve. Uh, Levine Toilolo, tight end, two years, 6.2 million. Just a blocking tight end. That's it. You know, he's not going to get, I'm pretty sure he only got, what, two targets last year in the 49ers. So, I mean, he'll just be a blocking tight end. You know, not much more than that. I mean, it's it's depth. And you certainly can't have enough blockers. So, I don't mind it. Um, I mean, he's not going to be using the passing game at all. So, it's not like he's going to be, it's not like he's as valuable as an Evan Engram or even a Caden Smith. But, you know, I, I like the move. I don't see anything wrong with it, especially with how cheap it was. Uh, Cam Fleming, right tackle. Now, this could... Cam Fleming worked with... Was in Dallas the last two years. So he was with Jason Garrett, who's now the offensive coordinator for the Giants, of course. And he was with Mark Colombo, who was the offensive line coach in, in Dallas the last two years and is now the uh, offensive line coach for the Giants. So he has familiarity with the system. He has familiarity with the offensive like the, he has familiarity with the you know offensive game plan with the playbook how Garrett and Colombo runs things. Um, he'll go up against Nick Gates. Now this is if the Giants don't draft a right tackle. Say the Giants draft a right tackle first or second round, that guy's going to start 100%. They draft they draft Tristan Wirfs first round. Wirfs is starting 100%. Starting on the right side and then eventually transition to Daniel Jones' blind side. But if they don't draft a right tackle right away in the first couple of rounds or so, Fleming will totally compete for the job. Now, he's going to p- compete for the job regardless. But, oh, by the way, he was, always, he was also with Joe Judge in New England prior to his tenure in, in Dallas. But anyway, he'll compete for the job regardless. But he has a real shot at winning it if... The Giants don't draft the right tackle. He'll compete with Nick Gates, who was with the organization last year. Um, And so Nick Gates has a leg up on familiarity with the organization and the offensive line counterparts, such as Kevin Zeitler, Will Hernandez, Nate Solder. Um, But Cam Fleming has familiarity with just the coaching staff in general. So there, it could be an even battle. It could be, it could very much be an even-sided battle. And it'll be interesting to see who wins that battle because, be honest, to be honest, this offensive line needs work. And if they don't draft someone in the first couple of rounds who can play the tackle position, then this will arguably be the biggest position battle throughout the entire training camp for the for this organization. This right tackle job is going to be extremely crucial. So this Fleming versus Gates battle, if it ends up being that way, is going to be probably, arguably, the most crucial battle, position battle in training camp. And then, as I said before, probably one of my 
more favorite signings was Colt McCoy. Uh, one year, $2.25 million. Now, obviously, he's not going to start. Joe Judge claims that no position, no starter is confirmed yet. But Colt McCoy knows what's good. And he knows he's going to be a backup. Um, and despite the fact that he's just a backup, I think this is such an important and good acquisition because... Daniel Jones needs that veteran backup to help him develop in this league. He's still developing. Don't forget that. It's not like he's, you know, oh, he developed his first year, now second year is ready to go. No, some quarterbacks, it takes a couple years. And he showed promise last year as a quarterback. We all know this. We all know what Daniel Jones did last year. But he's still developing. He's still got to figure out the turnover issue. We had 23 turnovers last year. You know, he's, he's still got to figure out, you know, maybe taking care of himself a little bit better as far as because he, he suffered the high ankle sprain. The last thing you want is for your quarterback to be injury prone and for it to start early on when he's supposed to be the future of the organization. So Daniel Jones still needs to develop. And I think Colt McCoy, who would bring that veteran presence to the quarterback room, is going to help him do that. Now, he's not Eli, obviously. Eli is a, you know, when you talk about veteran quarterbacks, Eli is obviously a different, in a different category than Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy started, I think, 28 games in the last 10 years since he's been in the league, and Eli has won two Super Bowls. You know, there's no comparison. But he's still been around for a while. McCoy has. He's been in multiple systems. He knows the game well. You know, two-time Heisman finalist, back for the Longhorns. In 2009 and 2010, I believe, or whatever it was, 08, 09. Yeah, 08, 09. 2010, he was in the league by that point. But he's been around the game for a while. He's been around, he's been in the pros for a while. He knows, you know, this guy's seen some things. He knows some things. And it could totally help Daniel Jones in his development, which is probably the most, which is, in my opinion, that's the most important thing of this team right now. That is the most important story of this organization right now is Daniel Jones' development and how they are going to proceed moving forward with Daniel Jones' development. How are they going to help him develop? What are they going to focus on with him in 2020? You know, stuff like, are they going to open up the playbook more for him? Are they, are they, you know, obviously it's a new playbook, but are they going to be reserved as far as what they call with him right away? Are they just going to be aggressive with him as a quarterback from day one? You know, it's, it's things like that, like... No, the most important story, based on what I'm trying to say, is the most important story is of this organization in 2020 is Daniel Jones' development. And lastly, Nate Ebner, um, familiar with Judge, who was a special teams weapon for New England the past eight seasons, uh, started in 2012 to 2019, same tenure as Judge. Um, <coughs> excuse me. And yeah, he's a great special teams weapon, second team All-Pro in 2016. Judge obviously believes in his talent and leadership. Um, yeah, I mean, he's not going to play. He's technically a safety. He's not going to play safety uh, at all. Doesn't seem like that. Um, but one, you never know. And two, he's, he's just going to be he's going to be a beneficial addition to the to the organization in the special teams unit. You know, he's going to come in. He knows Judge's system, how he runs things as far as the special teams unit is concerned. He has familiarity with that. And... Yeah, that's another sort of Patriot connection for this Giants team that 
will is hope, hopefully will turn out to be beneficial. As far as Marcus Golden is concerned right now, the Giants pour purse per over the cap. Overthecap.com. Good on you know salary cap numbers and stuff like that. The Giants have nearly nineteen and a half million dollars in cap room right now. Now they're going to want to save around ten million ten million dollars for in season emergencies. Um and rookies. They're going to want $10 million for that. My guess is that that's not going to happen. My guess is that they'll end up leaning more towards Golden's asking price if they do bring him back, and maybe they'll end up with around 8 to $9 million this year. Um, as far as, They'll end up with around 8 to $9 million for in-season, in-season emergencies and rookies. Because I could definitely see Golden's asking price being around $10 million per year. I mean, he's willing to be patient. Per Jordan Ronan of ESPN, which is what he reported a couple weeks ago. He's willing to be patient. Golden is. And I'm sure the Giants are willing to be patient either. I'm sure they want Golden back. Golden wants to be with the Giants. There's mutual um, desire there to work with each other. But I could definitely see Golden's asking price to be around $10 million per year, which would put the Giants around 8 to $9 million left for in season uh, in season transactions and rookies and stuff like that which isn't ideal for them but if they really want golden back they're going to need to take they're going to need to make some sort of a sacrifice at this point i mean they've already spent they've already signed numerous guys in in uh free agency so it's every time they sign someone the the cap space decreases you know it diminishes quick goes by quick I mean, you see some teams have these large number cap numbers, these, these large numbers for their cap rooms, and all of a sudden it diminishes greatly in two days because of the moves they make. So my guess is that the Giants, if the Giants do bring them back, it'll be around $10 million per year. Um, I do want to... I, I mean, as a writer, as a podcaster, I would say... You know, I think they should get they should bring him back. I'm not gonna say it as a fan. But I as a writer and a podcaster, you know what, I'll I'll combine the two. As a writer and a supporter of the team, I want him back. I think they should bring him back. Um but if they can't, the Giants can certainly replace him with the guys they have and even draft and even get someone in the draft. You know, as I said before, they have Fackrell's not gonna start, but he's there. You know, Lorenzo Carter, O'Shane Zimenez. And even if they draft someone, you know, that could work out too. And I think someone they should possibly keep an eye on in those regards is is, uh, Julian Aquara. Wrote about this kid. He's a speed rusher from Notre Dame. Doesn't have as much power, but he's elusive. He's athletic. He's quick in getting to the quarterback when he locates the clear path. Um, He's... He's basically what I would want in a pass rusher. I prefer speed rushers because, you know, the league is getting faster. Quarterbacks are becoming more athletic. Quarterbacks are becoming more running types. And with, you know, faster offenses and faster quarterbacks, you need faster pass rushers. You need faster defenders in general. 
and Speed Rusher is going to give you that quality of play. So if the Giants miss out on Golden, I think they should definitely look at look to draft Aquara in the second round. Um, but before you can have the second round, you obviously need to have the first round, which has a segue into the draft segment of this podcast. So as far as the first round of the draft goes, April 23rd, the big question for the Giants at number four, or if they trade back to number six, which I think they should, if the Chargers want to jump Miami at number four, Chargers are at number six, Miami at number five, Giants at number four. If the Chargers want to jump Miami to get Tua, Tagovailoa from Alabama, they're going to need to swap picks for the Giants. And I think in a trade like that, the Giants would have a ton of leverage. The Giants could swap picks with the Chargers, go back to number six. um, And then the Giants could get possibly their second round pick, possibly their third. Maybe they'll get, I think they'll probably swap picks with them and they'll and the Giants will get the Chargers third and fifth round picks. So that would have the Giants, that would bring the Giants total number of picks to 12, which would be fantastic. They have two third round, two fifth round, um, a first, second, a fourth, a sixth, and four seventh rounders. So it's, actually no, they'd have, yeah, no, they, they would have 12, yeah. But... Anyway, so if they wherever they draft, if they draft at four, if they draft at six, the big question is need, drafting for need or drafting for best player. Now, if they were to draft for need, I think it would 100% be the offensive line. Preferably uh, Tristan Wirth's offensive tackle from Iowa. 2019 uh, All-Big Ten first team, Big Ten Offensive Lineman of the Year Award winner also in 2019. Six foot five, three hundred twenty pounds, good size. He's strong enough to be able to recover quickly if he's pushed back right off the line. If he's you know, right off the snap, if he's pushed back and overwhelmed right away. He's strong enough and quick enough to be able to recover quickly, which would be huge in the pros, especially early on as a rookie. Um, as far as passing pass blocking is concerned, he can locate his opponent quickly. This would be huge for Daniel Jones. I mean, all quarterbacks need you know, when all all court, it's not just Daniel Jones, any quarterback in this league, if they have enough time, you know, it'll work wonders for them. So I think that would be great for Jones if the Giants could draft Tristan Wirfs. He, he would be put on the right side and eventually transition to the left um, to replace Nate Solder, who it's, it's eventually going to happen. Nate Solder is going to be out of East Rutherford at some point. And he's struggled ever since he came to the Giants. Uh, the first, pretty pretty much the first big move that Dave Gettleman made. And it's just, it hasn't worked out at all. I mean, he's struggled mightily for two years. And they were paying him. Uh, he's got one of the more expensive contracts on the team. I believe he has the most expensive contract on the team. Um, you know, now that Eli's retired and... And uh, Janoris Jenkins is gone, so I believe he has the most expensive contract on the team. I could, I should double check that, but at this point, the point is, is that Nate Solder is gone at some point, or is getting transitioned to the right side. So that would mean Worfs would start on the right side and transition to the left, transition to Daniel Jones's blind side. Um, they're not going to throw a rookie in at left tackle right away. At least I hope they don't. Um, but if that's if they. That's who the Giants should take if they draft for need, and that's who I think they would take. If they were going to go best player, they would draft Isaiah Simmons, 100%, if he's available. 
as I said before, great would be a great complement to the run-stopping, pass-rushing linebackers that they have now. You know, Blake Martinez, Fackrell, Carter, Zimenez, possibly Golden. Can be used up in the box or in the secondary. Um, that would be who I guess they take. Now, I'm not going to say it's a do-or-die pick. Like, they have to pick Simmons. But if you're going to pick the best player, I think Simmons is the guy to take if he's available. You, know, you never know. On draft day. You never know. He could go like number three. You never know if he's going to go to the Lions. Number three overall. Who knows? Who knows that decisions these teams make until the pick is actually in. You know, no one does. So, I I think they should go Simmons if, if, that's, if that's the route they take, which I believe they will. Dave Gettleman likes to go best player. You know, they didn't really need a running back two years ago. They picked Saquon Barkley. Why? Because he was the best player. Dave Gettleman likes to go best player, and if that's the case, they should take Simmons in this draft. Now, I wouldn't hang my head over the selection of a tackle. Um, it's evident that it's been the main issue for this team the last few years is the offensive line. So, to be honest, either Simmons or Wirfs would work for me. Just being honest. I, I see benefits in either pick. Um, but it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what they do when that night comes. So, in the second round... I know I said Oquara before, but if they do, if the Giants do go offense first in the first round, they do. If they do pick someone on the offensive side of the ball in the first round, look for them to possibly go defense in the second round, uh, or vice versa. If the Giants go defense and look for them to go offense, offensive line in the second round. Um, but to be honest, they the Giants may just say, "Hey, let's bolster this offensive line entirely the first two rounds." And so that would mean they take Tristan Wurst possibly. I'm not saying they're going to, but possibly take Tristan Wurst in the first round. And then possibly take another kid that I wrote about recently. Uh, um, hopefully I'm pronouncing his name right. Tyler Beatish. Center from Wisconsin. Possibly will go in the second round. Giants have the number 36 overall pick. Um, so that's pick number four in the second round. Uh, he's an athletic, strong, intelligent center. Always has his head on a swivel. Uh, absolute bully of an offensive lineman. I mean, he bullies his opponent. It was so much fun watching this cut, this kid's highlight tape. Check out the article on EliteSportsNewYork.com. Um, wrote about a couple. Get should be on the front page of the Giants site now. Should be near the, at the on the top five or six articles on the front of, on the on the Giant the front. Pa- yeah, the top of the Giants page should be there right now. If you want to read about him. Tyler Biadish, center, Wisconsin. All-American unanimously last year, all-Big Ten first team. Uh, won the Remington Trophy for the best center in college football and was an Outland Trophy finalist for the best interior lineman in college football, O-line and D-line. So Giants could really, I mean, he would replace, he would fill the void left by John Halapio. John Halapio started 15 games for the Giants last year. Um, and then he tore his Achilles in week 17, was not tendered this offseason, so he's now, an un, he's now an unrestricted free agent. Who knows what his future holds? Who knows certainly what his Giants' future holds? They may, need, they may need a center right away, or at least someone who can compete with Spencer Pulley um, for the job, and uh, Biadish could be that guy. Whether he wins, whether they start Pulley right away, or they start Pulley initially, and then have Beatish learn behind them, uh, and then eventually start, or they start Beatish right away. 
you know, whatever, whatever they decide to do. But they got to pick him first. But they could really bolster this offensive line first two rounds. Tristan Wirfs, right tackle, first round, Tyler Beatish, second round center. So they need a replacement for both. They, they need something for both positions. Spencer Pulley, I'm not confident in. Um, I'm not overly confident in Cam Fleming or Nick Gates, a right tackle. You know, Mike Rimmers is gone. Not that I was confident in him at all, but the offensive line is a huge issue and they could really improve it in the first two day, the first two rounds. As far as the later rounds are concerned, I'll get into this at a later at a later date um, before the draft. I definitely think in the later rounds they need and the third the third round and on, they should get a wide receiver. Maybe, possibly a backup quarterback for the practice squad, but not until like round seven. Now, don't draft, don't waste like your fourth or like a fifth round pick that they could get from the Chargers on a backup quarterback when you know he's not going to start. But, you know, maybe a seventh round that they can keep on the practice squad or battle with Alex Tanney for the third string quarterback spot. Definitely get a defensive lineman, uh, offensive lineman, you know, for depth purposes. Depth purposes can't go wrong there. Uh, defensive backs, you know, cornerback definitely need a safety for depth purposes. I think they should go safety third or fourth round. Um, you know, you can't go wrong. You can't have too many too much depth at either of these positions at the defensive back position. You can't have too much depth at any position really, but especially offensive line, defensive line, and in the secondary, you just can't. I think third, fourth round they should definitely go. You know, with a safety receiver. Uh, especially when you look at the injuries and just the amount of missed games f- from this receiving group last year. That means Sterling Shepard missed six games. Golden Tate missed five. Um, Darius Slayton missed two. Corey Coleman was out for the whole year due to a torn ACL. You know, they need depth at that position as well. So I think they should definitely look at wide receiver um, third, fourth round and get someone in those regards. I originally thought they should take a tight end too, but now they've signed multiple in free agency. Now they have six tight ends, so I think that's enough for right now. Um, but who knows? Who knows the decisions they make? I don't make the decisions. I just talk about the decisions and what they could do and what they should do, in my opinion. Um, but all right, so that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for tuning in to Season 2, Episode 2 of the Wide Right Podcast. I am your host, as always, Ryan Honey. Of elite, of elite Sports New York. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Ryan Honey E S N Y. That's at Ryan Honey E S N Y. Again, I'll have a episode coming up soon about you know talking about the draft as a whole, who the Giants should take in each round, um, and stuff like that. You know, positions of need and all that good stuff. But for now, stay safe, stay inside, socially distance yourself, socially isolate, whatever you got to do. Just Stay safe and stay out of harm's way.